Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. I'm thrilled not to be preaching to you out of my book of discipline. We've moved on. And today we're talking about social pressure. And I'm sure everyone at some point experiences social pressure. And for most of us, that can be a very negative encounter when society is trying to conform us to its image, trying to make everyone compatible in a way that we can tolerate being around each other, such as living in community. And yet God is not asking for that for us. Instead, God, through baptism and the coming of the Holy Spirit, has been equipping us internally to not conform to the world, but to conform to Christ. And so our baptism in our Holy Spirit equips us to push back on the world. That when the world says, well, this is the way it should be, and you should instead focus on the things we value, getting a bigger house, getting a newer, faster car, increasing the size of your bank account, having more titles and accolades, the Holy Spirit nudges back from within to say, that is not the path of righteousness. Instead, the Holy Spirit is encouraging us to seek the kingdom of heaven first and empowering us to resist society shaping us in its image when we were created in the image of God. And baptism is just a first step in this. It's one of the ways in which we equip children like Brogan and Luca to begin a lifetime of journeying and discovering who they are and who God would have them be, equipping them with the Holy Spirit so that they will never be apart from God and allowing them to explore the fullness of a bright and beautiful future. Well, last week I wasn't here with you. I was in Belize. It was the culmination of two years of networking and collaborating with an organization known as Pathlight in Belize. And we were invited to go down and see the two students that we'd sponsored, Dominga and Manuel, graduate. They were finally graduating from high school and we got to go. And myself and Karen and John Rowlingson, who are our co-lay leaders, we went down to represent you. It takes three of us to represent you. And even then, I didn't feel that I was sufficient to do that work. But as we got down there, we hit the ground running. They picked us up from the airport and immediately started informing us and giving us tours of Belize so that we could understand just what had been accomplished. And they took us through Belize City, which was the old capital. And then after a hurricane, they built another capital city further in, Belmapan. And we got to go see Belmapan as well. And we got to see the Pathlight office in Belize City and see where they mentor and care for these high school students. And they told us the reality of life in Belize. Here is what society has shaped in Belize. Children graduate eighth grade at the age of 12. And the vast majority of Belizeans will immediately go to work for the rest of their lives. 
They won't retire. They won't have an opportunity to change the trajectory of their life. Instead, if dad cut lumber, the son will cut lumber. If mom works in a laundry, the daughter will work in a laundry. And most of them start working at 12 and 13, and that is the way they will live until they die. Except some children manage to get an education. And free education stops at eighth grade. So if you want to go to high school, one, you have to test in. Just because you have the means and the desire does not mean that you get to go. You must show the academic propensity to succeed in a test. Both Manuel and Dominga had taken that test and passed and placed in high school. But the problem for them was the money. Not only do you have to cover your own transportation, but you have to cover your books and your tuition and your uniforms. You must cover all of those things yourself. And in Belize, that was nearly impossible. It was thousands and thousands of American dollars to sponsor them. In order for them to come up with that kind of money, the Belizean dollar is two to one, the American dollar. So if we spent almost $5,000 on them, it would have cost them 10,000 Belizean dollars. And there was no way to overcome that. Both Dominga and Manuel are mestizos. They are descended from Mayan natives and the Spanish conquistadors who came and settled in that part of the country. And so they are one of the lowest castes in Belize. For them to even have entered into high school is truly a socioeconomic triumph. And they got there because of this organization, Pathlight, who determined that there were people in America with the means and the heart and that they could connect them to the students who wanted to go to high school. Because if you don't go to high school, then you have only one other opportunity. You're, un you're ineligible to go to trade school until the age of 14. So the chances that a child at 12 would go into the workforce and then stop and cover their expenses even to go into a trade school are very small. And so if they didn't go to high school, their futures would have been set just like their parents' futures were. But they wanted something else. And so Pathlight connected them to us. And we have been receiving videos and notes from them, and I had never personally wrote them back because I felt like this was us, not me. And so I was looking forward to meeting them and doing my very best to represent you in Belize. I was on flats for five days <laughs> representing you. I suffer for you. I was vertically challenged for five days and then when we got there, after we had done our tour, that evening we were supposed to have dinner with the students. All of the sponsors had come in and we were all gathered together and we'd been going through this tour process together and now we were going to get to meet them. Well, when we got into the um, retreat center where we were staying for dinner, I could see Manuel, but I couldn't see Dominga. And then I did what I always did. I turned around and I went to Karen. Where's Dominga? Karen didn't know. So we very politely started talking to Manuel, and then I gently asked him where Dominga was, and he said, oh, it's very difficult to get Dominga here. She lives so far off the highway that they didn't have time to go to her house and get her before the dinner. And I turned to Karen, and I said, we better meet her tomorrow, because I wanted to meet Dominga. 
I mean, I was thrilled to meet Manuel, had a wonderful dinner talking to Manuel. Manuel got to tell me his story. And his story is that he loves school. He said, I just love school. It makes me so happy. He said, I want to go to school as long as God will let me go to school. And I said, well, does that mean that you want to go get your associate's degree? And he said, yes, I want to go get my associate's degree in business administration. He said, and then if God will help me, I will go and I will do my next two years and get my bachelor's degree in business. He said, and then I'm going to open up a business and I'm going to employ other Belizeans so that they don't have to be employed in lumber and logging and slash and burn techniques. And I thought, that's incredible. This is a really motivated, purposeful person. And it was exciting to talk to him and learn about how he had been doing in school and that he had passed all his classes and he has two young sisters. One is five and the other one turned one while we were there. And he said, I am the first in my family to go to high school and graduate. He said, and I'm going to make sure that they do too. That's my job for them. And so we went to bed that night very hopeful that we would meet Dominga the next day. And Pathlight was very smart about how they put together the program because it can be really intimidating to sit in a room full of overwhelmingly Anglo-Americans and have them fire off questions at you. And then you try to use your English back. And while most people spoke English very well, it's still an intimidating process. And so they had created activities that we could do together and have kind of casual conversation as we did that. So we were going to start the morning in... Um, the, near the river doing cave tubing. So you start in the river and it goes through the cave systems and you are kind of tied together with other tubes, giant inner tubes. And so Manuel met us there and we had our little group and we were getting together and I looked around and I didn't see Dominga. And I was dressed like a nut job. I have a full body UV suit and it's covered in like skulls. So I'm wearing this thing and everybody's like, that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, I, don't have, I don't have shoes, so i got to have the UV suit. So uh, I'm dressed up in this UV suit, and i got my helmet on you know, so that nothing hits my head. And all of a sudden, Laura Connolly, who is our director and who has been the one that we've been in contact with, says, Sarah, come with me. I want you to meet somebody. And she takes me off the side of the group, and there is Dominga. And she turns Dominga around. She goes, Dominga, this is Pastor Sarah. And <laughs> yeah, now I see it too. But... Dominga didn't stop to look at how weird I looked. She threw herself into my arms. And we had a church member pass away during Lent named Myra Swan. And Myra had a ministry of hugs. And let me tell you, Myra would have been proud of that hug. She hugged me so fiercely. She did not want to stop. She said, I have been waiting to meet you. I am so glad you are here. And then after the hug, she wouldn't let go of my hand. And when we were cave tubing, hers was right next to mine, and Manuel was right here. And we got to talk, and she said that she loved school. She's the valedictorian. She is the president of her class. Her classmates elected her to be their leader. And Dominga is the first in her family, just like Manuel, to go. Dominga's mother died when she was three. And her older sister, who's only about five or six years older, has been raising Dominga. And her husband, who is not from Belize and he's not from the United States, is a psychiatrist. And he said to his wife, Dominga needs to go to school. 
we need to figure out how to get Dominga into school. And so they prayed about it, and they asked questions, and that's how they got connected to Pathlight, and that's how Pathlight connected us to Dominga. And Dominga, I wanted to know if she wanted to go to college. So I said, do you have plans after school? She says, yes. I want to go into the business administration program that Manuel's going into and get my associate's degree. I said, then what do you want to do? And she said, I want to go on and get my bachelor's degree. And I said, oh, and, and then what will you do? And she said, well, I've already scouted a program in Taiwan on economics. And then I will go there and get certified in economics. And then I will come back and I will work on the statewide level. And I will improve the economic conditions of my people. I'm a triple humanities major. I don't know what she's talking about, but it sounds good. That's amazing. Here is a young 17-year-old mestizo woman, and she can envision a future that is different for her people. What does all this have to do with 1 Samuel? Well, it has to do with 1 Samuel because society shapes whether or not youth like Manuel and Dominga think they can do this. It tells them that their future is set that they are to go and they are to be working citizens, that they are to go out and they are to work and earn a living and contribute to the welfare of the household. And truly for Dominga and hundreds and thousands of young women like her, she's to go and she's to work. Maybe she'll babysit for, for siblings or for cousins, but really she's just buying time until she can become a mother. And she lives in a society that tells her that her worth is really in how she uses her womb. And Dominga has a different vision that God placed in her heart. She envisions a Belize where all people can prosper. She envisions a country where all children can go to school and be empowered through the gift of knowledge and wisdom. And that is her endeavor. And she thinks that she can do that because of you. She believes that God has given her a vision and a duty, a calling, because of this church that you were willing to believe in her without having ever seen her or spoken to her. You gave her the most treasured gift of her life. And she told me that over and over again how important it was. And that evening, all of the sponsors and all of the students at Pathlight gathered together with the family members who were able to come of the graduates. And I got to meet Manuel's mother and his pastor. Fascinating people. I got to meet Dominga's sister and her brother-in-law who had been raising her. And they were very stoic. I mean, I, they're looking at this. So yes, they were very stoic but very you know, gracious about it, but very composed. And then the graduation was so beautiful. In the graduation, they show on the big screen the text that the sponsors have sent, the scripture text that we've sent, much like we did for our confirmands on Pentecost. And so they could have that. And uh, we sent one from Proverbs about seeking wisdom first. And so they both had the same one, and it had Crozet United Methodist Church. And... They got to see that as they were getting their, their diplomas. And so as we're doing this, there's a young man who says, wait, wait, stop, go back, go back. 
And he says, that's him. That's my sponsor. Because if you couldn't come, they got a picture of you and they put your picture up there. And he goes, that's the man that changed my life. I wish he was here. I wish he was here so that I could tell him all that I've done and how thankful I am. And that was when I realized that I am woefully unworthy to represent you. That what you have done could never properly be conveyed in this vessel. And Dominga had asked me, how big is your church? And I said, there's about 400 active people in our congregation. And she said, 400 people in a nation of only 300,000. She said, that's so many. I said, they're amazing. I said, they, they're much better than this. I promise you. But here's the truth. In 1 Samuel, the people said they wanted a king. They wanted a king because they wanted to be like the other nations. Did you catch that? We want to be like everyone else. Everyone else has a king. Edom has a king. There's Pharaoh in Egypt. We want a king too. We should be like everybody else. And it broke Samuel's heart. He had been the prophet that was conveying God's wisdom to them. And he got so angry. And he said, God, do you hear them? And God said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. I am their God and king. And they have pushed me out for worldly treasures. He said, so give them their king. But warn them what they're asking for. Warn them. And so Samuel did, and he told them, this king will be self-serving. He will get rich off of your children, your labor, your flocks, your fields. He will take from you. You will now pay taxes. He will conscript your sons into his military service. All these things will now be done for his glory and not yours. And the people wouldn't listen. They said, no. We want to be like everyone else. We want someone to represent us, to go before us, and to fight our battles. And so God gave them what they asked for. They got Saul. I don't know if you read your Bible, but Saul is not a good king. He looks like a king. He's a head taller than everybody else. He's built like a brick house. And everybody looked at Saul and said, that's our king. But Saul had no heart for God. And that would be the mark of his failure as a monarch. And then God would anoint a new king. And this time they would get David. And I know David has a great reputation, but if you read your scripture, you'll find out that David was a good king and a really good sinner. He was really good at sinning. In fact, he was better at sinning than he was at the monarchy. But that's what they thought they wanted. And God gave it to them. If that's what you want, I will give it to you. Brothers and sisters, God has given us a piece of God's self. It looks like water. But when it's infused with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we pour it out on Brogan and Luca and on other children like them, we are giving them a piece of God. We are giving them our support, our pledge. We are empowering them and Another hemisphere away, we empowered two young adults. And they have a vision for passing that on. Manuel wants to bless other people by being a just employer. 
and letting them find new work and purpose for their lives so that maybe they can afford to send their children to school. And Domingo's vision is huge. It covers the entire country. And I think she can do it. And so you have given them the courage. They can dare to dream because of you. For some of us, $5,000 is not a lot of money. For them, it was the future. It was everything they could want. And John and Karen stood up with Manuel, and I stood up there with Dominga, and she hugged me again. And she, in my ear, said, I will never forget this moment. I will never forget you. Because this moment is the moment in which she knows that she can do it. It's the moment that God has convicted her heart that the future is hers. And we had a part in that. We were part of God's blessing upon her. And afterwards, I did a thing. I did a big thing. We took them gifts. I took them Huggable Jesus dolls because everybody needs a Huggable Jesus. Uh, Steve Flora, one of our church members, took old pew wood that when we cut the pews to make them um, accessible, uh, he took them and he made crosses for them. And so the cross necklaces they had. Karen painted gorgeous crosses with um, the dogwood blooms. And Dominga got one that had a cardinal on it. And Manuel got one that had a blue jay. And they had never seen those flowers or birds. So that was really cool. They have a little piece of Virginia hanging on their walls. And then... I, I talked to John and Karen beforehand, and I said, okay, um, nobody's here, and I really don't have the ability to do this, but I'm going to tell them we're going to pay for their associate's degrees. Amen. And they said that we would. So I committed John and Karen and I to paying for their associate's degrees. If you want in on that, we can make that happen. After, after the ceremony, we gave them their gifts, and I told Manuel first that we were going to pay for his associate's degree, and he screamed, and he hugged me, and he almost punctured my trachea, <laughs> and he said, oh my gosh, thank you, thank you, and he hugged me again, and he said, I have to go tell my mother, I have to go tell my mother. And then he went to go tell his mother. And then I turned to Dominga and I told her, we're going to pay for your associate's degree. And she just wept. She just wept. All of these tears of gratitude, all of this holy water poured down her face. And she said, I will make you proud. You already have. You already have. Crozet United Methodist Church is changing lives all the way in Belize. And we're changing lives here because the Holy Spirit lets us do both at the same time. We can do it together. And then I went to bed and I thought, you know, I may never see them again. I may never see them ever again. And I don't know how I'm supposed to convey this to an entire congregation. And I woke up the next morning and I was working on my sermon. And I said to God, you know, God, I don't know why you think that I'm going to be able to put into words that which is so much 
bigger than our language. Our language falls short of the glory of this moment. How can I possibly do this justice with my words? And God, as God always does, said, that's why I sent a minister of the word. Fine. But I'm wearing my UV suit. And so when the people turned to Samuel and they said, we want to be like everybody else, they broke God's heart. When you, through your sponsorship and your gifts, said to Dominga Emmanuel, we don't want you to be like everybody else, you changed their world forever. They have family members who believe in them. But I watched family members recognize in the midst of that graduation what their child had truly done. They have overcome poverty. They have overcome an entire society that tells the young women that they don't belong in school. They have overcome a society that says that mestizos are not worthy. They have triumphed because you have empowered them to believe that they are created in the image of God and that they are equipped and capable and that they have gifts to give. You have done this for them. And I just got to see it. I just got to recognize it. So in two years, when they're graduating with their associate's degree, I can't wait to see who wants to go and meet them. Oh, and Domingo wants to come visit. Manuel was like, come to the United States? Mm. He's very shy. Dominga, she said, I would love to come and meet your people. She wants to come and meet you. And I don't know how we're going to make that happen. We'll figure that out. But know this, that when you ever question what you give or what's going on here, there is a young woman who 10 years, 20 years from now, is going to change the way Belize thinks about its economics and its people. Because a little Methodist church nestled at the foot of the mountains in the state of Virginia believed she could. That is the gift of God's blessing in you and through you. And there is no higher calling, brothers and sisters. None. And you should see the smile on her face. You have been a vessel of God to Dominga and Manuel and their families. And it's not going to stop there. For all that you are and all that you have done, I rejoice and I am humbled to be your pastor. And I recognize that this is only the beginning that we are going to change this world one heart, one mind, and one diploma at a time. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.